0: Let's spend an hour studying Torah together. And I hope it fills, uh, fills our souls up with good stuff. I'll say the blessing. Blessed are you source of life, creator of the universe, who makes us holy with your commandments and has commanded us to engage in words of Torah. This week's Torah portion is Toldot. Toldot is chapter uh, 25, verse 19. that begins, Ve'ele toldot Yitzchak ben Abraham. These are the, uh, this is the chronicle of, or the generations of Isaac, the son of Abraham. And those of us familiar with the Parsha uh, know that uh, it begins with Rebecca becoming pregnant, with twins and Jacob and Esau, actually Esau and Jacob are born. And uh, the dramatic thrust of the Parsha is immediately turns from Isaac to the rivalry between the twins. Uh, but the last couple of years, each time I encounter this Parsha, um, I've, I've, I've focused so deeply on that story for so many years and it's it's, it's endlessly layered and meaningful that I turned my attention to, there is an intervening section, which tells of Isaac's exploits, where Isaac goes down to Avimelech because there's a famine. And then similar to his father Abraham, he, um, uh, his life really mirrors his father's in many ways. And then we come to, he, he leaves Avimelech, and we come, who is the king of the Philistines and I'm gonna screen share the portion I want us to look at today. I'm gonna to go down a little bit. This is the whole story about Abimelech and then Isaac departed from there and encamped in the Wadi of Gerar where he settled. And this is the line that draws our attention, draws my attention over and over. Vayashov Yitzchak vayachpor et b'erot ha'mayim asher chafru b'imei Avraham aviv. Vayisatmum plishtim acharimot Avraham Vayikra lahen sheimot Isaac dug anew the wells which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham and which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham's death. And he gave them the same names that his father had given them. So in the Jewish spiritual tradition, which is where I want to go again today, especially to some Hasidic teachings, digging his father Abraham's wells anew that had been stopped up and naming them again. And then there's a story about these wells that he digs. When Isaac's servants digging in the Wadi found there a well of spring water and the Hebrew is very important here, be'er. Ma'im chayim, a well of living waters. The herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen saying the water's ours. So Isaac named that well, Asek, which means contention because they contended with him. And when they dug another well, they disputed over that one also. So he named it Sitna which means dispute. And he moved from there and dug yet another well. And they did not quarrel over it. So he named it Rehoboth, Rehovot, which means open expanse, open space, Rehovot, uh, saying now at last, the Lord has granted us ample space to increase in the land. So in the Jewish spiritual tradition, um, these stories are stories about our inner lives. They're about our inner spiritual journeys. And so in Hasidic teaching and in Jewish mystical teaching in general, when there's a well of living water that's considered to be one of the names of God. Uh, as God expresses all over the Tanakh, um, uh, uh, this Makor Mayim Chaim, the source of living waters, a well of living waters. We hear this a lot, and it becomes metaphorically an image of the waters, the living waters that run deep everywhere that it's our job to locate internally, dig down to, in other words, go within, clear out the stuff that has stopped it up so that it might flow through us. And there's a process for that inner journey that's actually being described here because we move from contention and dispute, think of it as our own inner process of what it takes to finally get to spaciousness where the waters flow, where we are, where we are connected. And as we taught in, a, I taught in a class earlier, um, many weeks ago, I think, but I can't remember which, Be'er, some of you may recall, be'er means a well, but it also means to explain or interpret or teach. So this is an inner quest for understanding. And so as we've taught in the past, the metaphor is we, we wanna get to the point where these this wisdom, this awareness, this expansiveness wells up in us so that we are not the ones scratching and scrambling to understand and thinking that it's all up to us, but that we get to a point of grace where we actually work on digging out the rubble that keeps us from being able to well up with the infinite life of which we are truly a part. So the sense of being somehow um, um, isolated or self-sufficient evaporates. And we begin living our lives now, not just in terms of teaching, but in terms of um, everything we do with a sense of being connected to the source of all. And that that's truly where our sustenance derives I'm so glad I said that, because I wasn't feeling that all morning this morning. (laughs) Not this morning. (laughs) It's not that it was horrible, but it was like, oh, was I slogging? Talk about ASIC. Talk about striving and digging and dispute and contention. Mm. Uh, So I feel better already. Thank you. I hope you do too. So with that framework, I thought I'd do something that I haven't done in a while, which is share with you directly a Hasidic teaching that we can unpack together for a little while. So let me stop sharing here and uh, let me look at the comments. Oh, Roni, I hope I did address the, your question, the significance of the naming and the translation of the names of the wealth. Uh, contention, dispute, finally to spaciousness. But I also want to add that there's another layer here, which is that these are his father's wells. So a very layered um, event is being described here. He's not only digging his wells, he's redigging his, his parents' wells. And I personally love that because I feel like that's what we're all doing. Always in our lives, consciously, unconsciously, hopefully with a healing and growing uh, edge. Always um, figuring out how to, because we're not solo journeyers, right? We stand on the shoulders of, we redig the wells that others have dug. We uh, we're our life was given to us through our parents. And uh, I love the layer of complexity that that adds. Uh, we're digging our parents' wells anew, but they're also our wells, which we name. Um, any other comments or questions right now before I share this next text? righty. so here it is. Well, let me tell you about what I'm gonna share. This is from my favorite book still of Hasidic um, interpretation. It's called The Language of Truth and it was selected and translated by uh, Rabbi Arthur Green. But it is the Torah commentary of a Hasidic uh, leader called the Sfat Emet Svat means language of truth, which is why it got this English name. And the Svat name was Rabbi Yehuda Leibalter of Gare. And he lived and led in Warsaw in the late 19th century up until about 1905, I think 1905 when he passed away. And every week around the Shabbos table in the afternoon, he would give a teaching. And the way it worked in Hasidic courts was that since people didn't write on Shabbat, after Shabbat, his chasidim would all would, so especially some designated ones, would write down what he said. And then they'd bring it to him so he could work on it and craft it. And so his collections of teachings were all originally oral presentations, actually. Um, And because he was teaching on Shabbat, a lot of his teachings are about Shabbat. And so you'll see that in the metaphors he employs in this teaching, but I love this teaching and I keep coming back to it. So I wanted to share it with you. I'm gonna share it now. All right, Um, hold on. Oh, there we go. Is that a decent size everybody? Uh, Okay, good. So here's how it begins talking about this very passage that we started discussing just now. My grandfather and teacher used to say this, he's referring to the same person, his grandfather was his teacher, used to say this about the wells the patriarchs dug. He would say, everywhere there is a hidden point of God. We only have to remove the external covering in order to reveal that innermost point, which is called a well of living waters. Okay, now the Hebrew, which is down here, I'm gonna read to you. A hidden point. That's the phrase I uh, wanted you to see. It's inwardness. Uh, the external covering covers the inwardness. The other way that point gets called in Hasidic teaching is p'nimit, meaning an inmost point. So that inmost point, if you imagine that we are the earth into which we must excavate, dig away the rubble in order to reach the wellspring. That's the inner point. And according to Hasidic teaching, that inner point dwells in every single person. And as we've taught in the past, that one of the beauties of this language is that a point, and this was intentional on their point, nikudah means a point means to them what it means to us in math. It's a a real thing that has no actual area or volume, right? It exists, but it's the gateway into beyond physical dimensionality. That's what the hidden point is, the nikudagnuza, nikudapnimit. Now, this is poetry. So it's not always necessarily located inside your body, right? You're, you, it might be located in the task you're doing, right? It might be located in the, uh, the garden, inside each fruit that you eat, if you eat it in the right way with the consciousness of the, that, that, that wellspring being within it, then the, the, the fruit not only revivifies and restores your physical self, but it actually allows the flow of life to come through you. Our goal is to dig our wells, our inner, our awareness in a way that allows us to tap the hidden point, the wellspring of living waters. So that a delicious, so again, a delicious bite of food will nourish our bodies. But if we also take in the ever flowing goodness from that deliciousness, then something else is restored in us as well. Something non-corporeal that makes us Alive, fully alive, aware. So the well of living waters, just as it's named in this portion, that innermost point is also appears in the Song of Songs, chapter four, among other places. But this is a beautiful quote to give you an idea of the metaphorical meaning of this in the Torah itself. Song of Songs. A sealed up spring is my beloved. Your limbs are an orchard of pomegranates and of all luscious fruits. I think that's why I was thinking about fruit because I'd been reading this passage. Nard and saffron, fragrant reed and cinnamon with all aromatic woods, myrrh and aloes, all the choice perfumes. You are a garden spring, a well of living waters. This is the language of love. And that's how Jewish tradition understands this. The well of living waters is love, is is infinite love, pouring into the world, expressing itself in the countless ways that we can experience the fact that somehow completely undeserving, not that we're, no, I don't mean undeserving. It's not that we're not deserving, but we can't earn it. It's just a gift, it's a gift from the universe in the taste of food, in the connection with beloveds, in the joy of being alive. It's love, it's love. God's ever flowing expression of love, grace, unearned, there. If on our spiritual, in our spiritual work, we can keep the well cleared. That's our work. Then we become channels for that and beneficiaries of it. If our wells get stopped up, this is a daily activity that we have to, for those of us who are interested in doing this, we each have to figure out how to clear out, dig out that well, so that we can be recipients and channels for the well of living waters. I love that. So here's where the Svat Emmett takes it. When I do this, you can see my cursor, right? Yeah, good, good. I like using that. On weekdays, this well is called asek or sitna, literally preoccupation or accusation. Um, asek. yeah, asek is um, being to, is it's to be busy with. Um, Paul says in democracy, we must always be vigilant. In every way we have to be clearing out the rubble all the time. That's right. This teaching today, I want it to start within because it's a Hasidic teaching, but it naturally extends like like, um, fractals. You know, what's true inside is true in our relationships is true and R. is true, it's all true. So take the metaphor, especially if it animates you and run with it. Um, Okay, so we'll call it, we'll we'll use uh, Art Green's translations, preoccupation and accusation. But on the Sabbath, it is called rechovot, expanse. The words of the wise are gracious. So now imagine a community that's struggling to make a living all week, but has Shabbos. And they're sitting around with the Rebbe. Shabbos during the week, keeping our wells dug is tough, right? Because we're we're engaged with the world in a way that it's really challenging. And then on Shabbos, thank God, we're sitting around the table and remembering, just as we're doing right now. We're sitting around the table, we're not working, but it's not that we're just resting. We're actually clearing, we're opening, we're peeling stuff off so that we can take off our armor of the weekday. Oh and get to the place where the well is not the result of struggle and accusation and um, preoccupation, which we work on all week long, all of us, we're all trying to keep the channel open, but where we reach that place where it's just spaciousness. Thank God. So that teaching is being given around the Shabbos table. However, Shabbos is also, as we know, an aspect of consciousness. And any of us, we're gathering now to make a Shabbos space. When each of us does whatever we do, in my opinion, away from our busyness, it gets called now spiritual practice. That's the word that everybody uses now. Whatever we do to clear out the rubble, it doesn't have to be one day a week. So don't, go, don't take this literally, but rather think of it as a necessary, crucial, not just necessary, essential recuperation that we all must figure out how to incorporate into our lives or we'll never experience the well as expansive and spacious. Oh, may we all be blessed to experience inner expansiveness and spaciousness, to touch the inner point and release the waters so they can flow through us. (sighs) Let's see what the uh, Svadhemet says next. But scripture says, wisdom cries out in public, in the streets, she sounds her voice. Okay, so this is the way you traditionally teach Torah. You look at the word Rehovot, for example, and you see where else it comes up. So Rehovot an interesting word, right? Anyone knows a little Hebrew who's been to Israel knows that you name streets Rehov. Rehov means broad. So I would call it boulevard or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so here's a quote from the beginning of Proverbs about wisdom crying out in public in the streets. She sounds her voice. Let me give you that context because it's a beautiful phrase in Proverbs. Just a sec, I got my book here. Okay. Wisdom cries aloud in the streets, raises her voice in the squares. At the head of the busy streets, she calls. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she speaks out. How long will you simple ones love simplicity, that's not a compliment you simpletons how long will you simpletons not get it you scoffers simply be eager to scoff you dullards hate knowledge you're indifferent to my voice and then it goes on and on but you get the drift so you can see how brilliant the sfat is being bringing this particular quote on shabbos it because it's chokhmah who if you're familiar with um, uh, uh, the Proverbs and Torah is considered a synonym for Torah. In other words, the, the, the teaching of God. Chokhmah is going through the street saying, hey, w- w- what are y'all running around doing? What is your problem? Listen to me. And so he does this brilliant thing of connecting it to Rehovah. Let's see. The sound of Torah is always there to arouse the hearts of Israel. We have only to turn our ears. As the holy Zohar says, there's no one who turns his ear. And as scripture says, if you hear, hear my, whoops, I cut off a line. (laughs) I was in a hurry, I told you it was that kind of morning. Here you go. Sorry about that. If you hear, hear my voice. Oh my God, I completely messed up. Just, can I put a strike through this? I told you it was that kind of morning. For Ignore this, in fact, I have to get it out of the way. I'll turn this off for a minute. Isn't that funny? Okay. Scripture also says, if you hear, hear my voice. Okay, now that's from Exodus chapter 19, verse five. Yeah, cliffhanger. Thanks, Rob. it says right before the children of Israel are going to hear the 10 commandments. It says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how then I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to me. Now then, if you will hear, hear my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy people. So there's a word play here. It says, Im tishma'u, which those familiar with biblical Hebrew will know means when a verb is repeated, it means emphatically. If you listen, but if you translate it literally, it means if you hear, then you will hear my voice. The point, the point being, I'm right here. I'm standing in the streets. I'm shouting to you but you'll only hear me if you're here, if you're paying attention. It's completely up to us to dig the well. It's waiting right there under the surface of our preoccupations. Oh yeah, the beach in Rehoboth, that's the same word. Rehoboth is the Anglicization of Rehoboth. Rehoboth, one of the oldest um, new cities in Israel it was created in the late 1800s also and they named it Rehovot. Oh, and here in New England, we're in, we're in Bible land everywhere. So there are so many names that come from the Torah that uh, are in, uh, in, in, on our map. Um, okay, so um, if you hear, if, you're, if you just take the time to hear, you will hear me, because the 10 commandments are about to come there. It's similar to um, another another reading um, uh, where God says to Moses, come up to the mountain and be there. And the Hasidic masters ask, if he's on top of the mountain, he's already there. And the answer is no, he could come up to the top of the mountain and I could be screaming at him and he might be picking his picking his cuticles, you know because he's preoccupied. So uh, the whole idea is we have to dig. We have to be able to listen. We have to, we have to. Um, and then the Svadimet continues. The divine voice is always present. It comes from the 10 utterances by which the world was created, let there be, let there be. That happens 10 times in the first chapter of Genesis. The Torah really likes 10s. It likes sevens. It likes 10s a lot. And the 10 commandments, by which God gave the power of his words to all of creation. Svatimat continues, on Shabbat, the Jewish people testify that the world and all its fullness belong to God. And then the divine voice is awakened. It is easy to hear that voice on the Holy Sabbath. In the expanse of Sabbath, Rechovot, we hear the voice. That's his Shabbos teaching. It's such a beautiful teaching. So let me put up what my teacher Art Green said about it. Cause I liked Art's comment very much as well. Even though I messed up the rest of the document, here it is. A great number of the teachings on each Torah portion deal with the Sabbath. We should recall that these teachings were all Sabbath table talks in their original form. So it was natural that Shabbat itself be a frequent theme. Often his message was the one expressed here with special clarity. Sabbaths and festivals are given us as a special gift. A time when the divine presence is clear and obvious when God's voice can readily be heard. Time is dotted with these moments of special grace, so that the rest of time, the weekday in which we struggle so hard to find God's voice, will not completely overwhelm us. But for those whose ears are truly open, the divine voice can be heard through the din of the weekday world as well. So that there's that beautiful teaching about the well. Paul said, "Instead of intentions which scatter the mind, pay attention to gather your mind and energy to truly hear and internalize." That's right. Pauline says, "Is it if we listen, we will hear? Then listening is the active component of our so." then we should, we should explore the deep meaning again of the word lishmoa. because it doesn't just mean fit, it means to hear, but Lishmoah, when it's given as a command means to pay attention. Shma, when we say hear, O Israel, the imperative of that in Shma is pay attention. Ah, let's see what Roni said. That song, Jesus met the woman at the well and he told her all the things that she had done. The well is an important metaphor in many spiritual teachings. Yes, it is. And uh, Roni gives me an opportunity to explain as we've taught in our classes on Judaism and Christianity and their origins that Jesus was speaking as a Jew when he would say things like that. He was a Jew in the first century in Judea, sharing the exact metaphorical and uh, and symbolic and literary um, um, uh, context landscape that all Jews shared in the first century. So it'd be exceedingly natural for Jesus of all people to use this metaphor, which runs throughout Jewish teachings. Um, Pauline, you said, "Isn't that the fifteen between listening and hearing?" Tell me what you meant.
1: <laughs> no, I just meant that to me. To me, the, the the that if we're paying attention and doing active listening, that the voice is always there. The voice can be there. Maybe we hear drones of it, but it's not coming in. It, it's nice. just what our body is taking in is. Frequency sounds.
0: The voice is always there. The well of living waters is always there.
1: Well, can I That's... ask another question? Oh, of
0: course you can.
1: No, th- this, this has been bothering because I've been studying this chapter a little bit this week. So, um, you know, I, I just, the fact that this chapter, that, that it almost starts that or ends with the going to the well of Isaac and it starts with Isaac suddenly appearing again because Rebecca's there and he's going to his father's well, the one that caused all the trauma. Mm-hmm. What is he digging out? You know, what, what was there and, and how, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's through this for me. That I'm I'm seeing a greater personality of this patriarch Isaac, that somehow always got a little squelched um, between you know Rebecca and the the other you know Abraham. Like what happened? So like my heart goes out to this big empty space of what was that archetype accomplishing that, that now I see a personality on the patriarch. I'm sorry, this is what. Don't I'm
0: be sorry. Saying. I think that's the perfect direction to go in now, <laughs> which is having talked about in a less personal way what it means to dig out our wells so that the energy can flow, Isaac is digging out his father's wells and so now i think one of the truisms that comes from that is that each one of us is doing something that even though we're all engaged even though the energy of life is infinite and we all tap it each one of us has to do our own inner work that's the way i see it that there's no there, there's no free pass there's no simple way to do this that is like a the self-help book might teach us how to dig, but it won't teach us what we're gonna find as we dig. That's, that's, that's part of our own experience. There's a commonality between our experiences, but each one of us has to do this digging. And so I think this is the most empowering passage about Isaac in the whole narrative about Isaac, cause he's taken it on. So if we're gonna make it a psycho-spiritual narrative, he's taking it on. Um, To to dig out his father's wells means to confront everything about what Abraham did and did not bequeath to him, including the traumatic. Um, One way of describing that trauma is, um, oh, I find this useful. rather than, oh, Abraham's just, remember these stories are metaphorical. So to say Abraham's such a child abuser, he nearly killed his own son. He had to be stopped by an angel. Okay, God forbid, we know that happens in the world. But hopefully for most of us, it wasn't that stark that our actual lives were on the line. And what if the metaphor here is that Isaac was sacrificed on his father's passionate quest for understanding you know think about the children of very very important leaders whose uh whose uh, whose lives are forever imprinted by the absence of their parent or by the way the parent uh was mm, embraced by the world in such a way that prevent that made it so much harder just to be their kid you know or there's so many ways to describe this uh, whats is what what is the sacrifice of Isaac that Abraham is uh doing um and then if we think about every person's life even if they weren't famous even if they weren't the first monotheists, even they weren't bringing something new into the world. Uh, leaving home, going to Abraham is a is a seeker. Abraham is drawn to something, and he schleps his family along. Come on, so maybe that's one of the things that Isaac has to sort out. Uh, I mean, I could take it in a million directions, and I think it's so important um, not to think of Abraham simply as perhaps some willful child abuser uh, obeying this horrible God. Uh, Joshua said, oh, okay. So um, Roni said, uh, I'll go up further. Ellen said, in Ahava the eight ways of teaching and learning are listed including Lishmoah and other similar roots to God. Yes, to learn, to do, to hear, to attend, to teach, to keep, to do, to love. Thank you. That I would like to explore that sometime. I, I like the way you said that, Ellen. Thank you. All the ways we might do that. Here's the prayer. And there we go. With an abounding love, you love us. Nurture our God with great compassion, you care for us. Our source, our sovereign, just as our ancestors placed their trust in you, and you imparted to them laws of life. So be gracious to us too, and teach us. Our fount, our loving parent, caring one, be merciful with us, and place into our hearts ability to understand to see, to hear, to learn, to teach, to keep, to do, and to uphold with love all that we study of your Torah. Wow, Ellen, there are some really beautiful parallels in there. Uh, God is the abounding, unbounded love. Oh, that's beautiful. And we have to practice all of these ways in order to stay open to that source of love enlighten us with your Torah. I love that prayer. Mm. Um, Roni said, also the significance of water and purity and a way to cleanse. Yes, the metaphors that we have are based on our experience. And whoever's had a fresh drink of water knows what it means, what it means. Uh, Isaac never leaves Israel, says Paul, a paragon of virtue and service. That's a different of our Torah that um, is really worthwhile, Paul, but I'm not gonna head in that direction now. Joshua Pearl says, personal healing often involves transgenerational work. Certainly in my case, and that's why I relate to it this way. Uh, And then Karen Levine says, Isaac has always been my favorite patriarch. Go for it. I see Biden as Isaac in this moment, redigging Obama's wells. And you know who, the Philistine has been clogging those wells with quarrels and animosity. I look forward to spaciousness that is soon to come. Amen. Um, Amen. Uh, The Philistines in traditional uh, commentary are understood to be the ones clogging the wells because they are the ones competing and clogging them. It says the Philistines clogged up Abraham's wells and then they dispute and quarrel over them. Oh boy, that's rich, Karen. Thank you. Uh, I look forward to spaciousness that is soon to come. May it happen soon and in our days. <sighs> yeah. That's a really good Devar Torah, Karen. Thank you. I may quote you on that.
1: I actually oh. shared it on uh, Monday morning.
0: Oh, you did? Oh, great. Thanks for telling me about it. Every Monday morning, a different congregant is teaching. Uh, a short Torah lessons at 9 a.m. on Monday morning. Um, so, um, let's see, what else do I wanna say about that? Um, I think that's all I wanna say about it, um, except to repeat that these metaphors will work on whatever level we apply them. Uh, The Hasidic teacher is asking us to do it within. And I think if we don't do it within, it will never happen in larger circles around us. But if we do do this within, if we dig the wells anew, practice our self-awareness, self-awareness, infuse and imbue our intentions with love. And love is described as Ellen shared with us as doing, learning, teaching, keeping, doing, you know, it's like, this isn't a, this isn't some, it's like, let it be the gas the energy, the fuel, fueling our activities. Let that water, that life-giving well be pouring through us and then manifesting through us into our activities in the world. So may it be. Or we dry up. We become contentious. We become clogged. We become quarrelsome. We become filled with animosity. We got a lot of work to do because like there's bulldozers running on the property, you know, and we just gotta, we just have to keep doing it. Have to keep doing it. Otherwise we lost. We didn't lose to someone over there. We just lost. We lost our connection <sighs> to the abundant love that flows always. I'll share one more teaching. There's a famous teaching, the Baal Shem Tov, who says, you know, okay, so Isaac dug his father's wells anew. Does that mean he then connected with Abraham's God. And the famous teaching from the Baal Shem, which is, I wrote in my, in my chapter in my book, is he says, why when we dive in the Amida, does it say, Baruch HaTarunai Elohe Elohei Elohe Elohei Avraham, Elohei Yitzhak, Elohei Yaakov, Elohei Sarah, Elohei Rika, Elohei Rachel, Elohe Leah, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, God of Rachel, God of uh, Sarah, God of Rebekah, God of Rachel, God of Leah. The the um uh, the Baal Shem says, why didn't he just say Elohei Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah? Why did he say the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah? Same God, isn't it? And Balshemto's answer is no, because we each have to forge our own relationship with the infinite. Whatever we've inherited, we dig it out again ourselves. And it's our relationship. And that's the only way, generationally, as generations transmit, it can't be wrote. And it can't be, I'm doing my father's thing exactly or my mother's thing exactly. It has to, we dig in those wells, but it's our relationship. I love that teaching too. Anything else, everybody? True renewal. May we be renewed. (sighs) There is no force strong enough to prevent us from doing this for ourselves. Next week, Myrna asks, next week is Thursday, uh, is Thanksgiving day, I'm gonna take a day out. So we'll meet in two weeks, again. Um, And Roni says, and this is important, I think this is a very hard time for all as we go into cold weather and COVID is soaring everywhere putting an enormous toll on healthcare workers. And we need community and ancient teachings more than ever. Here, here, Roni, thank you. Um, uh, That's also what I've been talking about. It's like uh, winter is gaining on us and um, we need each other. So let's keep showing up and let's keep reminding each other to dig our own wells and keep them flowing. Uh, Susan Fox has the new moon in Scorpio, which just happened. Relates to death and rebirth, going into the dark night of the soul and transforming. Okay, yeah. So remember that in the middle of the winter, we're we're gonna be all butterflies in the spring. Beautiful butterflies. We'll come out of this, we'll come out of this on the other side. And yes, R- Ruth says, remembering December 21st, the days again start little by little to lengthen. Uh, I also am I'm always, everybody's different, but I'm always doing the calculations. Okay, it's just 32 days to December 21st, and then winter's almost over. That's how I do it. (laughs) My wife, on the other hand, loves winter, so thank God for her. (laughs) I really mean that. It's like, oh, oh, okay, I'll go outside, (laughs) So let's do a healing prayer, everybody.